Feliz con la verdad. Well, that's Feliz over, Navidad. <laughs> it's Navidad. Tax the rich. Again. Okay, well that sound that sounded like it was coming from the next room too, Sue. I don't know what's going on, Paul. Anyway, it kind of sounds distant. Here we're going to try and do a show today. It's the twenty sixth after the day after the big Christmas Day celebration, and I hope everyone had a nice one. Hopefully, you were with family, and it was uh, very productive and quiet and peaceful and joyful and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Ah, so it's the day after that, and um, as I was saying right before we went on the air, it's a very interesting time of the year from my standpoint of being somebody that is responsible for this two hours on a uh, on a six day a week basis, and uh, uh, because. Well, we just got through all of that. We've had the holiday. There's nothing happening. The doors aren't open anywhere yet. And so there's no really, certainly things we can talk about. I mean, from now ad nauseum, but it just seems different to me. So that's where in the past in in some years I've run, uh, taken two weeks off and just ran a couple of weeks worth of replays. And uh, the last few years we've kind of stayed uh, with the live shows, and uh, so I was a little uncertain on what to do today, but figured we'd go ahead and start a live day in case there's anybody like we had the good show Saturday with Robert and uh, any uh, any repercussions or ramifications from that and people with questions and whatever else. So anyway, we'll do a show. Roger sails with you, of course, and it's the Radio Ranch. And as I said, it's the day after uh, Christmas Day, the 26th. And I uh, don't know where how it is where you are, but it uh, looks like a pretty nice day in Ecuador here today. And uh, since Monday was the holiday, we'll start the week on Tuesday, our lunch day. So I guess when I'm finished to this, well, I just saw all those guys over the weekend. So it's just an interesting mm-hmm. time of year. So good morning, everybody. Anybody got uh, anything you want to say about your Christmas or anything else here? My white Christmas is missing. <clears throat> yeah, somebody. My Ernest, my Ernest T. Bass is coming out today. What? You're what? My, I mean, Paul, I don't know Ernest what's going T. on, Bass. but everything. Ernest T. Bass? Yeah. Uh, Ernest Christo? T. Bass. Rod, start the remote. Start the remote software, and, and I'll um, I'll check it out and see what's going on, because I've got full uh, outbound levels to you. Must be your uh, must be your system. I you know I don't know how everything changes, uh, Paul, because I never touch anything. I don't touch one mm-hmm. thing. Okay. I know. The same thing happens to me. Stupid <laughs> thing here. Don't, don't you know computers that... have a mind of their own. <laughs> Okay, Mike, uh, I'm sorry. I can't hear. I, I mean, I can hear everybody, but it's about half volume. And as I said, can you hear me to now? Paul, well, I could hear you. It's just you sound oh. like you're in the next room. Mm-hmm. 
Um, run a remote control, and I'll jump in there and check it out. I'm trying sure to get to it. Right. i got to find it here, Paul. Hold on. Okay. <sighs> Just had to open it up. Good morning, Roger. Good morning. I, well, maybe. Yes. I, I have uh, some questions. This is Jill speaking. And uh, I, I am about to send in these affidavits to the Secretary of State and uh, the head of the administration of the Department of State, etc. So should I include with those things a copy of my Jill. passport? Now, my passport was stolen. Jill, Jill, okay. hold on just yes. a second. Yes. Let me get this stupid sure. thing set up here so we can figure Roger. out if there's some problem here or not. Can you see Roger, that, Roger, I'm in. I'll take care of it. Yeah, All I'm right. in. I'll take care of it. All right. Okay. Give me just a minute. Jill, you said you're I'm about in. to send in your affidavits. Yes, and what I'd like to know is I have a current passport. While I was living in Ecuador, my passport was stolen, so I went to the American Embassy and I got a replacement. So my passport is good until December of 2025, but it is set up for my uh, address they you a in replacement. They gave you a Hello? replacement? They didn't issue you a yeah. new one? All right. They gave me a replacement. That's what it says on page 51. What did, what did you just do that changed everything, Paul? What was wrong? Right here. Right here. You're, uh, right you're right there. What was it? It was the Zoom level. It was your Zoom speaker level. See, right here. And I haven't touched any of that. Nothing's touched it. Why did it change? Okay. I have no idea. But okay. it's fixed now. All so right, we're all good. Can you hear everything fine? I hear everything just like you're right next door before it was in your the next room or the next town. Okay. So there we go. good. All right. Thank you. Okay, Jill. <laughs> You've got a passport. You say they replaced it. Usually they issue you a new one, make you get another one. I went through that lost and stolen thing. So Yeah. You, well, wait a right. minute. My, so when you look at when you look at this passport that was issued to me it says turn to page 51 and on page 51 it says this passport is a replacement for a stolen passport so can I include or should I include a copy of uh, this passport to go along with my affidavit and my short sentence stating that I uh, choose to become a national or should I use my Missouri driver's license to um, go with those is things? Your, is your name is your either one? Either one doesn't make any difference. And, and, and it, that doesn't really make any difference unless you, to me in my mind, unless it's Jill Smith and they don't know how many Jill Smiths there are in the country to identify you if you have a real common, potentially common name and differentiate you and make sure they get the appropriate changes on the appropriate person. 
Okay. So would my passport be considered my uh, evidence of citizenship? Because no, I copied no, this no. from your site, and it says, "Attention, Anthony J. Blinken, I am a national." Enclosed, enclosed is my citizenship Jill. evidence. Jill, you Hold have on, to Jill. let him answer your question. Just okay. bring them both. I'm trying. Go no, to, no go to you're not. You keep order. over. First off, back off of your phone a little bit. You're overmodulating a bit, if you would. Okay. Oh. Now, uh, is that okay, better? so. Yes, I think it is. Okay. Now, your question was about which one your your old passport doesn't have any citizenship evidence. You're under the presumption and you've agreed every time they've asked you that you're a serf. That's the legal person it's issued under. So it has no bearing on this because you, I, I'm, I'm trusting that you're wanting to separate yourself from that legal personality. Correct. That's okay. Correct. Well, why do you want to? Well, then why? If you've got a Missouri ID, you can use either one of them. Okay. It doesn't so matter. Is that, is that net, net necessary for uh, when it where it says I am a national and closes my citizenship. Is that driver's license my citizenship evidence? No, the affidavit is your citizenship evidence. Okay. All right. You, well, I've got that printed up to go with the. See, you didn't have one of those before because you were under the presumption and from birth, and every time they'd ever ask you, you'd agreed. So you don't have okay. to say, that was my, they, that's the one they want to presume you in and not let you know there's a way out of. Okay. All right. And the affidavit so I... takes you out of that and places you in the other. All right, so I send this into or to the Secretary of State, Mr. Blinken. Can I at the same time send the uh, affidavit with the statement to the head of the administration of state at the same time? The head, the head of the administration state? The head of yeah. the administration records department is who you send That's it to, the I mean. Secretary of State. Can I send them at the same time today when I go to mail it's this the stuff same, in to certify? It's, this, it's the same document. Okay, so I can send them both at the same time. I don't have to you wait. Don't send, you don't have to send two. You only have to send one. Well, I copied these off of your site, so I thought I had to send it to the head of administration as well as the secretary of state. No. No, you send it to the secretary of state, attention, administrative records department. So I have two separate letters, one for the secretary of state. Okay, and I copied those all for your site. Jill, 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 you're really really making this difficult. For some reason, I don't know why, but you're imputing a lot of difficulty into this that doesn't need to be there. One affidavit, Um, one cover letter. 
Okay. So I'll just send mine to the Secretary of State, Mr. Blinken, correct. with the affidavit. Correct. And, yeah, correct. and do I also include in the lower left-hand corner of the envelope which you say um, so it gets where it needs to go? Uh, that's so where we enclosed. At attention, Administrative no, 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 no. Records Department. Yes, that. No? That, please. That. Okay. Yes, that. Put that on Isn't the that lower left-hand corner of the envelope. Good God. Yes. Okay. Roger, may I? <clears throat> I wish somebody uh, would. I'm I'm jumping in here with three questions. Number one, Jill, is your old passport expired? No, it doesn't expire okay. until December of 2025. Okay, so you're going to be filing a DS-82, not a DS-11. And if She's I like, we haven't even got to I the passport yet. We haven't even got to the passport. We haven't got past the Secretary of State yet. She won't, she's going right. to file her affidavit only. Okay. First. All right. Well, then, then there's no need to put your passport in with your citizenship evidence. No need okay. whatsoever. You will just need your ID to get your uh, affidavit notarized, and that's all you'll need it for. You won't need any other identification. If you want to put in the last four of your social or your birthplace or birth or birth date, you can do that just so they can identify you as who you are. Then you send in that blind affidavit, and then after the fact, we'll revisit this issue later and then get your passport. So it's all should I should I also send an affidavit to the attorney general for the state of Missouri? You can do that you if should. you want. You don't have to do okay. it at the same time, but you should do it as soon as possible after you've sent it to the local attorney general and the police chief, the sheriff. The, the district attorney and possibly the public health official of the county. I don't think that's super necessary. But anyway, you want to tie all those people together on a letter informing them that you filed this one with the Secretary of State and your status has now changed. Okay. Now, when you say inform them that I've filed it with the Secretary of State. You're talking about the U.S. the U.S. Secretary yes. of State, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Alright. So when I do this, does, do I, would it be a good idea for me to also notify the tax assessor and the tax collector in my county? Well, you could. You want. You probably want to notify the IRS, and you can copy your state taxing authorities. But you see, that this isn't dealing with the kind of tax you're paying on your property tax. This mm -hmm. is dealing with federal stuff and your federal citizenship. But yeah, you can tell right. anybody in the whole country that you filed this if you want to. Okay. Well. I was asking because it seems to me, um, I, I hear you say that you become a national of the state with a little s, meaning, I guess, in my case, the state of Missouri. So if I'm a national in the state of Missouri, it seems to me that they would not be able to uh, assess and tax 
my private property, my land and my pickup truck. Well, you see, that's all because those, I don't know about your pickup truck, but your land is on the property rolls. What we're doing is changing your citizenship status with the federal government. Yes, it does make you a state citizen, and there are people that are investigating getting a loyal title to their property, which means you pull your property off the property rolls. Therefore, they can't assess you and tax you. But what we're doing with the Secretary of State, that's only an indirect relationship with that action mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah and i thought uh isn't there a uniform code uh under the uh, federal law that i think makes all of the 50 states uh they need to comply as well under the uniform all code? kinds of well, there's all kinds of uniform. There's a uniform traffic code. There's a uniform commercial code. There's a uniform building code. There's a uniform electrical code. There's all kinds of uniform codes. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about where taxing your private land is concerned. No. And then, no. you know. No, no. It's 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 right. not well technically it's not your land or it wouldn't be on the property rolls now, would it? That's right. That's what I'm trying to get it out of. Well, you're going to have to investigate that down the line. That's not our primary emphasis here. There are people that dabble in it, trying to accomplish it, but that's not primarily what we do. Yeah. Hey, Roger. Well, um. Yes, Joe. Yeah. Is that Joe? Um. Yeah, it's me. Uh, there, there, I found two ways um, that have helped or kind of set off the property taxes thus far. Okay, one was uh, just writing a letter requesting um, their articles, the, the county's articles of incorporation as a government and not just a private corporation doing business. And then they stopped trying to collect taxes from someone after that. Uh, another thing was someone quick claim deed the, uh, the address uh, back to the county and then they haven't been paying taxes for the last two years on their property. Quit claimed the address back to the county? Yeah, they quit claim deed the address. Right? To I've the never county. heard of such thing. <laughs> I've never heard of such thing. <laughs> yeah, well, the guy said he did it. He's like, he just tried it out and he said that he, he didn't care if he lost the property, and he already had the property paid off. So he was he's like I, he felt like those were the two stipulations to do that. So he tried it out, and it's been over two years, and they haven't tried to collect taxes from him since. Hmm. Okay, well, that's interesting. Yeah, but that's very. I, mean, I don't know very many people from what we're doing here. Right. I don't know very many people. Have, uh, I do know of one person personally that got their property off the property rolls in Oregon. I hear a lot of people. Samuel, are you with us today? Samuel's been trying to do it in his property in California for a decade. Uh, other people are interested in that, concentrate on it. But that's not something we concentrate here because there's no real clear-cut path, path to walk on it. Okay. You got to take your land, and for one thing, you got to trace it back to the original land grant. 
Okay? I do know that. So, where else can we go? Hey, Joe. You in the... Yeah, I'm, I'm still here. Uh, I was trying to understand what I think you just called. I don't remember his name, but he was talking about articles of incorporation. Um, I didn't get the rest of what he said. Are you talking about Joe that we just spoke that just spoke to us? Yeah, yeah, that guy. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, Joe. So, would you repeat what you were saying about the articles of incorporation to get your property off of the tax rolls? No, it was more of a challenge. It, it, the, so the way I did this was, I, I they were like, "Oh, you know, we you got to pay the taxes." I said, "All right, no problem." Uh, just send me your articles of incorporation or your articles of LLC or LLP so I can inspect and verify that you're a true bona fide government and not just a mere corporation doing business pretending to be a government. So um, once I can see that, um, then we can have a conversation about the property taxes, but I'll need to see that first. And then they never sent a response in and they never requested uh, taxes or payment for the property taxes again. Okay. No, okay. No. Mhm. Yeah, but you still kept your taxes up. You paid them until that point. It wasn't him. It was someone else that did this. Yeah. Oh. I. I. Well, Jill, I, I did Jill, it for this person because they were asking me for help. Okay. Okay. But then again, this is not something that we concentrate showtime on. We've we never even heard about it. These areas. We sometimes delve into these areas during the after show, um, but uh, during the show we talk about citizenship status. Well, see, there's nobody that's got a real clear cut, even Ron Gibson, uh, way of doing this and being successful at it on a consistent basis. Okay. If there is, I haven't heard about them, and no one's ever told us about them here, anybody like that here. A guy down there in Orlando, this guy, what was his name, Emerson, that, that Tom D. interviewed last week? You've been around, Jill. Did you hear him talking about that guy that he interviewed on RBN for two hours I, dealing with this I, in Orlando? I talked to that man on the program, and his um, definition of a taxpayer seemed to fit me, so I uh, sent a letter to my tax assessor and tax collector saying that I am not a taxpayer by the legal definition, and uh, I told them that they had uh, taken money from me unlawfully and to reimburse me all the money that they have taken. What was What's the definition of a taxpayer you're referring to? Uh, can you give me a few minutes to go through my notes so I can find them before I answer you? For all intents and, and then, purposes, I believe it was somebody um, somebody engaged in a business for profit. Because okay, that sounds right. Commerce. Yeah, so. that sounds right. Another, and another thing, Roger, um, Thora's going to jump on and ask a question a little bit. All right. Okay. We'll get we'll get to you, Thora. Hang in there, girl. 
Can I just add one thing for her? Um, you're in Missouri, right? Yes. Okay, so in Missouri, okay, the definition of state, and this is their own statute, this is Title I, Chapter 1, Section 1.020, definitions. And, and the state of Missouri defines state, all right, includes the District of Columbia, the territories, there you go. and the word United States. There you go. That has nothing to do with Missouri. Yep. Okay, so that's Title One, Chapter One, Section One Point One Two Zero. You said it's Section One Point Zero Two Zero Definitions. That's what's called. Okay. Point zero two zero. So that's why okay. all these states have been converted to political subdivisions after the bankruptcy. You, they changed your great-great-grandparents' status. They put the states over under this bankruptcy as sureties for the debt. They changed the whole system then, and that's what you're seeing and dealing with now. Yes. I get that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how I can get my land out of the tax roll. Yeah, I understand you, Roger, and I agree. Okay. Well, uh, okay. Any other any other stuff you needed today, Jill? I mean, it sounds like. Go ahead. It would be it would be nice if um, maybe I could find a, a list of all of the principles that should be notified uh, that I need to send uh, a list of to the Secretary of State along with my affidavit. Well, you know, you know, Jill, part of the reason that I don't just lay everything out like you just said is because I want new people to have some damn skin in the game. I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you over 100 years of three men's research, answers, a sample affidavit, telling you what to do. I want you to figure a little bit out of it yourself. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> no, Roger, it's not. I'm sorry. It just seems like I I just push your buttons. I'm sorry about that. Yep. Yep. Well, okay. Anything else we can I can do for you? I mean, but, <laughs> no. I'm not going to say another word. <laughs> Wait. You know. Okay. Well, I understand. It seems like you're more interested in getting your pro your tax property off the tax rolls than you are about being free. Oh, no, no, no. I've been interested in that being free for uh, several years now. I just recently found you. Right, through Mama. I understand. Okay. Well, listen. No, it was not through Mama. It was not. It was not through Mama. No, it was not. Mama never said a word to me about the kind of things that you're doing. That's the difference between Mama and me. When I find something like I'm learning from you, I share it with people, but Mama well, never new. said a word to me about it. She this. just knew. Yeah. She just found out about it a couple of months ago. She probably had to have a yes. I just thought you said you came on. I'm Jill. I have houses in Kotakachi. Does anybody want to sell them? I thought you said you found out about me through her. Okay. No, I did so. not. Okay. She, uh, it was, it was, a, it was probably providential. I was listening to some show on RBN, and they said something about you, 
and or maybe you were on the show and you said something about Mississippi Mama. And I said, well, I know her, and that's how I found you. Okay. Mississippi Mama. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, Roger. that's just what I said. Roger, Mississippi No, she never told me her. about you. Okay, well, Zora, Zora, thank you, Jill. Come, we, thank uh, you, Roger. Work through what we've gone over, okay? Zora, are you there? Have right. a good Christmas, you, you and Ed. Hi, I we did have a nice Christmas. We, we actually, um, well, we had an early Christmas with our daughter, and then, um, and then uh, we spent yesterday. <laughs> Listening to your interview with um, Deanna Springola and Ed was learning about PMAs. <laughs> we uh, didn't okay. really do the Christmas thing yesterday. Um, anyway, I hope you all had a nice Christmas. And um, sorry about my dog barking. I have a couple of questions, Roger. Um, and one of them is... Um, Oh, can you all hear me? Hear you just fine, Thora. Okay, good. Sorry. Um, I was trying to understand the wording in the um, 26 CFR 1.1-1A that the 871B and the 877B, and for the uh-huh. life of me, I just cannot understand what those those two are saying. So I was wondering if you could okay. explain that. So I can. One of them is a one of them. None of our people would ever exercise because it has to do with true expatriation. You know, when you're okay. gonna give up your United States citizenship and be a Swiss citizen or something, and as I said, it's a very long procedure. It didn't used to be that way. People started doing this a lot in 2007. The reason most people do it is because of taxes, honestly. And and you have to go and get the other country's passport first. So before they'll let you give up your U.S. one, you got to go get another one. And so then you got to go to the State Department and contact a special guy. If it's out of the country through the embassy, I guess they got somebody in the U.S. to do it there. Don't know. Anyway, you used to could call the embassy and get it done in the afternoon. Cost you a couple hundred dollars. Now it'll take you six months or more, and it'll cost you four or five thousand dollars. I've been a lot of people gone through it in the last fifteen, twenty years, um, and uh, uh, but that is where you literally go through this process, acquire the other country's passport, go through this strict State Department procedure, meeting with officers, swearing allegiance, whatever, unswearing, and and then they'll let you ditch u.s citizenship so i don't see any of our people that will ever go through yes uh i just want to uh just specify you're surrendering your nationality when you go through that yes. process so citizenship is yes different. so you're, you're yes yep, you're, you're giving up yeah, your nationality for another nationality you're severing all your uh any allegiance from all protection anything from the u.s okay now, we okay. had a guy that called in who uh, did that, and he married a Swiss gal. He's got Swiss citizenship, 
And the problem was during COVID, his mother's still alive and he wanted to come visit his mother. And because he wasn't a citizen of the U.S. anymore and a foreigner, he now had to get jabbed to get in the U.S. Oh, my. So uh, he called into the show here. Uh, anyway, so one of those has to deal with that. All right. The other one has to do with bonds. I think federally chartered corporations. You, have you heard the case Brushaber versus Union Pacific Railroad? I've heard the or, name. I don't recall what that was about. All right. It was about a little over 100 years ago, 19. It was first cased on the 16th Amendment, which, incidentally enough, is about to be reexamined for the first time since Bruce Haber in the Supreme Court this session. Very oh, wow. another one of these really big important cases that's up there in this session for him. Okay, so Bruce Haber, uh, the case was Bruce Haber versus Union Pacific Railroad. Okay, and it's a long and boring case. I've never read it. Uh, I know a little bit about it. You can go look at it on the web uh, and just look at the thumbnail of it because on the thumbnail I read on the Internet, it said that Bruce Haber's attorney had oral arguments in front of the Supreme Court and brought up the fact that Frank Bruce Haber was a non-resident alien. But it was never included in the decision. It was just brought up in discussion and oral arguments. Okay, But every time there's a case that's decided by the Supreme Court that deals with taxation, the Treasury examines it and takes whatever the new findings are and applies it to their tax collection procedures. And so they write a, a piece of paper called a treasury decision. It's referred to as a TD, treasury decision. And the TD that was written off of Brushhaber is 2313. TD 2313, and the first sentence in that document says, Frank Brushhaber, a citizen of the state of New York and a non-resident alien. So it didn't reflect in the decision of the court, but it did reflect in the Treasury decision. Okay, so those are the two sections that you're talking about, one dealing with income on Union Pacific Railroad bonds, because that's what that case was about, okay, and the other with expatriation. Okay, so it doesn't have anything to, maybe I was reading the wrong thing, but I thought it had to do with anyone um, doing business in the United States. Uh, no, okay. no, 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 no. All right, let's go back to the statement. And here's another very important thing. It goes back to emphasize some of the things that I try to teach you guys. Yeah. 26 CFR 1.1-1A, an income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens of the United States or residents and to the extent of 871B and 877B 
all non-resident alien individuals. See, it doesn't say anything about doing business. It says who the okay. tax is on. Okay. All right. Just hold on. Now, Thor, there's only two statuses, really. You're either free or you're a slave, right? Yes. So we know who the slave is in that statement, citizens of the United States and residents. The non-resident alien, the only option it can be is the free guy. And that's right. why those two sections you brought up are both constitutional taxes. Okay. They don't have any obligation to the rest of the code, do they? Because right. those are all man-made taxes. Now, the other thing that's important is look what it said. An income tax is owed by all individuals, didn't it? Didn't say persons. Yes. An income tax is owned yes. by all persons. You'd expect them to say persons there, wouldn't you? Yes. Why don't they? Well, that would go back to the definition of, of which well, which person you are. Corporations, trusts, partnerships, etc. This is the individual tax code, twenty six one point one. So that's why they use the word individual, because individual is always a human person, because the rights and the duties are contained in the same entity. That's why they use the word there. They've got a whole separate schedule of taxation for corporations, and they don't want to use the word person in there. They want to use the word individual. Right. Okay. Got it. See? Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. Um, yeah, these guys are really question. slick. They are super slick, yeah, they folks. Sure, they sure are, and we were we yeah. were just noticing um, just how they make the language so complicated, so that you don't understand. Yes. I mean, we we both of read course. those. We're looking at that code over and over again. I'm just like, I I gotta ask Roger. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, see, the thing is for us, once you understand what we've just covered right there, if you're if you're the citizen uh, or the resident, all the rest of the code and that crap applies to you. But if you're us, only those two little things apply to you. Who right. is that? Abram? Who is that? Abram trying to get in there? Who's trying to say something? The guy? Uh, yes, sir. Yes. Um, there is a portion of that section of the code that does deal with business and what it deals with specifically is business within the United States okay and so that's the, the District of Columbia right explicitly. right so whenever they say the United States in there they mean only so if you let's say you have a shop right or something similar in Washington DC proper then because yeah. you're on their land their territory you owe them the duties but aside of that and so they use the United States to be very confusing in that section but that's what they mean yeah. it is incredibly it's like Roger said, right? That helps me because that's what I was. That was what I was looking at. Um, that I yeah, couldn't figure out. This, Does that also mean that? I'm sorry. That's just going to say it's all these equivocations that they get you on. I mean, they're everywhere. They're like little landmines. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, 
Okay, that helps me a lot. Thank you. And so, um, if I can ask another question, so Ed was um, Ed was like uh, really spending a lot of time um, researching PMAs, which I'm not going to get into that part. But my question is, during this process, he came across a um, a podcast from. Um, Chrissy Ann Hall, who I don't know if you've heard of her. I had heard of her before. And um, he got kind of alarmed because um, she, the title of her podcast was, What is a, uh, um, let me get this right now, an, um, State National. And then she went on, I only listened to about the first 20 minutes because I couldn't stand it, but I listened to it because of his concern. and. And um, and so I, the reason I'm asking you this is so that I can better answer other people who will bring this up. Well, but are you a state national? On. Are are you a state national? Is she a state national? If so, could she show that to me in any of the codes or anything where I can help find out what their responsibilities and these things that are concerning you are? Because I don't know of any status called a state national. Exactly, hey, Roger. Roger. And I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, that was Gary. There was a yeah, Gary. specific thing in that. There was a specific okay, well, thing in that that I was going to ask about. All right. Well, we're going to get to it. Gary, Merry Christmas. Anything that comes out of Chris Ann Hall's mouth, you should totally ignore. Disregard. Disregard. I agree. She is I a agree. shield working for the other team. Period. I told yes, I agree, and that I I um I had mentioned that to my husband. I said I'm just gonna um, give you the respect of listening to her, um, so that I can understand where where your concern is. But um, and I like I said I could only get through about 20 minutes before I had to turn it off. But this is the question that I have: is that she was saying incorrectly that the only way that you can become a national is to renounce your citizenship and then apply, uh, send an application into the Secretary of State requesting the, um, permission, actually, to, to become a national, and that may or may not get um, accepted. And I said immediately to my husband, I said, right there, that's, that would be like, to me, like asking your jailer to please let you out well, of prison. Like, why well, would that even make any sense? It, well, it doesn't make any sense because in her thinking, you've got to ask them for permission. In the reality, yeah. you are whatever you say you are. It's not their choice at all. Right, exactly. So that's the response that I would give to any, because I'm sure this will come up with other people. And I'm, as the more I get into this, I want to be able to. Um, All right. Okay. Let me have, ask you a question. Okay. Hold on, Thora. Hold on. Hold on. Can't you go yep. out if you went through this process we talked about earlier, this expatriation process? Can't you right now go and change your nationality for any other nationality in the world if you go through the process correctly? Can't you do that? Yes. You don't even have to ask their permission. You have to go through their formalities, but you have to have that other passport first. Okay. Uh, another right? thing to think about for Thora, um, U.S. citizens are indoctrinated to follow 
and ask permission because they're under privileges and immunities. So that's one explanation you could give to your husband. I'm like, do you really want to be asking people for permission or are you going to do what you need to do? You can go right to the... You can go right to the passport application and show you where they tell you you can do this. So it's not any, I got to ask permission. But the other thing, why can't you then repatriate like we do to the original status in the country and the only political status that the country had for the first 90 years without all this obstruction? Exactly. Okay, good. Because that is what I said to him. Hey, Roger. Yes. Gary. If you go travel.state.gov, oh, go yeah. to the citizenship, go to the last sentence, that is a statement. That is not a question. Yes. Yep. <laughs> right there. Total proof. Well, I mean, your all decision. of that. All it wasn't that. your decision. the State Department's decision. That would be in the form every, of a question. Everything on yes. the face of this earth has got to be voluntary or it's tyranny. Yes. Everything. Get your arms around that. If it's not voluntary, it's tyranny. Yes. Everything's got to be voluntary. I, everything, even before Vitell, everything's got to be voluntary or it's tyranny. Yes. Okay. I, so I think that I. Uh, if, I think I. You know, th- well, you know, Thor, and the thing is, if people get off on this jag and they're hell bent to find holes in this and why it doesn't work and why we're wrong, the only thing you can do is just show them the truth. And if they insist on doing that and continuing to do it, hell, let them go follow Chrissy Hall. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I didn't want to do that in my husband's case, but, but well, um, I, I think I, I think I answered him well, with all of the things you, that you all just said. So that's helpful look, for me. Thora, Thora, we've been putting this on the air for 12 and a half years and opening yeah. it up to anybody to call any criticism, any comment, anything, right? Yes. If there was a way to shoot a hole in this, don't you think somebody would have done it by now? I do think that that's, yes, I think someone would have. Okay. I'm feeling more confident every day about this stuff. And I, um, you know, uh, my husband's a little bit behind the eight ball with it, but he's trying to catch up. So I thought that was good that he brought that to my attention. So I could say, no, this is exactly why she's wrong. And, and 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 I can't listen to her anymore. Well, it was just twenty well, minutes of torture. You, you know, it might be that all that stuff is right if somebody wants to be a state national, but we don't. I can't find that, so I don't know that I want to be one. But I know that if you just want to be a national, you don't have to do all that. That doesn't apply. Yes. Okay. Um, so I share that definition on the on Telegram, uh, and uh, it's the public law. It's number 21. So um, that's the only definition that explains, um, or, you know, the U.S. Code does too. But um, the definition of our national is number 21. So 
A national owes total allegiance to a small S state. That's yeah. right in the statutes at large. The only reason they say yeah. state national is because of the state citizen. I understand they're why just, they're, they're doing just merging it. merging all that, yeah. I'm going to illustrate it and using it to tell you they don't know what they're talking about, which she continues to exemplify to everybody every time she opens her mouth, evidently. And isn't she supposed to be a constant, isn't she supposed to be a constitutional attorney or something? She is supposed to be. And, and, um, the, the only few times that I've heard her speak, um, uh, She's one of these people that absolutely 100% knows everything and everyone else is wrong. And she, But the fact is, she's wrong a lot. So I just won't listen to her. <laughs> but, I think, she's, to, but, I think um, she's totally wrong, okay? and uh, But yeah. there's a lot of people out there and a lot of big-time attorneys, you know, that don't see this. Yeah, Tom, D, our buddy, he's got a friend. You don't know this story, but when I was over there a while back and first turning him onto this, and he's got a guy that was helping RBN with foreclosures, who is a, an attorney, evidently good one in this area. And he, he, Tom was telling him about this, and he keeps going, no, no, you're, you're expatriating. They'll kick you out of the country. Tom, don't do that. This guy's crazy. <laughs> even got on RBN and offered to buy me a plane ticket to fly me up there and debate him on this issue. I just ignored the guy, okay, because I knew he was an idiot in this, re- in this respect. Well, all of a sudden, he's come around now. All of a sudden, he's realized oh, wow. what's going on. Oh yeah, that's good. Okay, okay, that's what Tom was talking. His name's Ron O'Connell, or o- I called him Ron McDonald because he's such a clown. It's, uh, but- O'Donnell, yeah. Okay, okay. So hey, anyway, Roger, he's um, Roger, yes, sir, Gary. Uh, yes, Roger. Uh, yes, this is. I'll get this you in a minute, Gary. Jill again. Uh, yes, this is Jill, Jill again. Yeah. Yes, um, there, I have recently discovered that there is another Jill Brown not far from where I live in Missouri. So my question is, what is the better thing to submit as my citizenship along with my uh, affidavit you could do, and my you could cover do letter? Things. You could use your, old, your passport number, the one that you've got right now. You could use your driver's license number. You could use a, your date of birth, place of birth, and the last four digits of your Social Security number. But that's exactly what I was talking about, where your name is potentially. How many Jill Browns do you think there are in the U.S.? Oh, my God. Who knows? Okay. Right. So, anyway, that's where you'd want to be uh, uh, use some sort of identifier t- t- with you, okay? It doesn't so matter could, which one of those. It doesn't matter because you're changing okay. status. All those are in your okay. other legal personality. You're With this document that you're attaching these to, you're changing your legal personality, okay? So it doesn't matter. Yeah. All right? So, now, so Gary, I could... I uh, could I could send a copy of both the passport and the driver's license. No, don't, I guess. Don't need, no, don't, you don't need to do overkill on that. Use the passport. They vetted you real thoroughly okay. to issue you that passport, okay? Okay. 
even though Gary? it was done when I was a citizen in the state of Maryland and not in Missouri. Makes no that difference. That passport makes is no, still good. Okay. Makes no okay, difference. Okay, you're okay. a federal citizen under it. Presumption. Okay. Gary. Okay. Yeah, Roger, Gary, I don't Gary. know if I told you or not. I don't think I did, but in my last new person's class, I had an attorney show up. Really? And he said, <laughs> yeah, he sat there for the first hour, and then he started getting real raucous. And uh, I had to ask him to leave. Uh, not very oh, really? politely either. Yeah, I had to kick him out. <laughs> yeah, all he wanted to do was argue. All right. So he wouldn't sit there and, they don't, and keep his mouth. They don't. They can't listen. They can't see it. They're going to argue and tell you you're wrong because they're the big attorney, and they don't just like Ron McDonald or O'Connell or whatever his name is. He just flat didn't know what he was talking about. Okay, it it doesn't take Same much research. Back in, well, it doesn't take much research to go back and look at the slaughterhouse cases. Okay, I mean no, it's I all through it. slaughterhouse cases. I think at the time I was going through the uh, two pages of court cases. And uh, that's when he wanted to start arguing with me. And I'm like, dude, they're right there, black and white. Go research them. But instead of that, he just wanted to argue. Well, he has to confront the, uh, that is his whole life and career and everything he's done is a lie. And that's real hard for some people. Well, of course it is. But when you're exposed to the truth, as what Daryl says, you're either going to be a hypocrite or you're going to accept it right. one or the other. You know, I don't. I don't care what you want to argue. Answer my. Answer me this, Batman. What riddle me this, right? Why haven't they ever refused to issue in a passport with it, Correct. Batman? Okay. Yikes! Yeah, well, it happens. It happens, uh, Gary. I mean, we've—I've had it happen on here, and not with an attorney that I can think of, but I've had it happen with other attorneys. Larry Beecraft doesn't believe this works. You know, I—I've told y'all when when John, I've Carol coming in there when John was alive, and the book came out, and he spent about three hours on the phone with Beecraft talking about the book and all this old English process. Don't forget, Beecraft's specialty is taxes, okay? And so after that conversation, John's comment was, Larry's been lawyering too long. Is that you, Daryl? Is that you I'm hearing? Yeah, it's me. Somebody's got a, a bucket. Uh, you bucket something yep. in a bucket or something. Yes, sir. How you doing? Uh-oh. I'm uh, I'm trying to recover from my day off yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I I slept too much. Uh, well, Gary uh, brings up an interesting point there. Uh, all all the attorneys, uh, uh, lawyers, all of them. I'll just say all of them have have spent their entire lives validating contract and all of its different forms and the contract the simple word is mystery Babylon it's it's uh, the fundamental underpinning of mystery Babylon um, 
who uses contracts? Corporations. Corporation is this big, giant, 2,000-pound pink gorilla in front of everybody, and they don't see it. So let me give you an example. I'll make this quick. The public law that Merck is referring to applies to a national, uh, small estate, and that is, we understand, we know we have a parallel systems. That small estate that that public law refers to and that you hang this national status on that they recognize in their own language is not a not a franchise of US United States Incorporated. It is not a franchise. Huh? In that capacity. Now listen to me people. I'm gonna keep saying this and hopefully you will get it. In that capacity, that public law, that 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 national what Bush Haver was referring to in their in their ruling is that that individual was private. Yeah, private. Exactly. Now, all this other gobbledygook that you've crammed into your brain and been fed to you by attorneys and lawyers and and the rest of these goobers your entire life. That's public. It's public. You you in that capacity as a US and citizen and resident, you can't be private. You are public. All the time. Yeah. In all ways. Not kinda. Yeah. Not sorta. No no. You are public of that franchise. They're different things. One is corporate. One's a private. One's one's <laughs> one's a corporation. The other, it's a private a private political society. It's called the United States. It's a private political society, and you are its public. On the other side of this is a, a, a organic civil society. And and it uses it, it's public. It's for the public, and it uses public law for private people. Do you get this? Do you get this? Right. right. Do you get this? Drive this into your noggin. You can't walk both sides of this, and this is what everybody wants to do. You, well, keep, you, you but you can still if you, you can contract with them. You can contract with them just like <laughs> well, who, who, I can contract which, what, which, Social Security. Morning, Roger. Who, so, who can contract Social Security. I'm sorry. I'm Private. Sorry. I can. Pro- okay, I can yeah. contract with them. Yeah. Well, that's a. Com- it's 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 commercial. <laughs> sure, you can contract. Yeah. Private people can contract. Private people can try to contract. I think this is a fundamental misunderstanding when they're trying to parse these parallel systems. We have parallel systems here. This is, And, and I don't think people really internalize it. I, I listen to it all the time. I hear them uh, talking, and I don't hear them clearly understanding what they're talking about. 
Who are you? Hey, Daryl. Which, which, are you private or public? Yeah. Which one are you? That's Gary? the problem. People don't understand the difference between private and public. And the best example Very I true. can give is, is the gun show. When you go to a gun show, buy a gun, that is a private sale. That's why they haven't been able to block that. Unless you're buying from a dealer. If you're buying from a dealer, exactly. he can't sell it to you as a private. But another guy at the gun show that's got one can. Then you're entering into the public if you're buying from a dealer. Because right. he, he's a licensed individual from right. whoever. Good example. Hey, Roger. Is that Dave? Hey, Roger. This is Bill from Chicago. Oh, Bill. Oh, hey, Bill. Phil with the pizzeria. Phil. If you remember. Okay, yeah. Yes, I do. Your dad's Sam. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, hey, I've been um, surfing the archives for a while, and I had a couple questions that I wanted to run by you if I could. All right. Uh, the first one I wanted to ask you, which you guys were just talking about, was public versus private. And, you know, it, I just it's hard for me to understand if you have an affidavit. Um, and I know you've spoken on it, that the affidavit, or sorry, if you have a driver's license and a state ID and an affidavit that the driver's license does not nullify the affidavit, can you walk me it through can't. how it doesn't? Well, yeah, because that's something that you want to have because okay. you don't want to have a conversation on the side of the road with a sub-90 or 100 IQ guy with a Glock on his hip so you have one and you decide to fight anything. It doesn't override your structure. And the reason is because some people, you know, that's for driving in commerce, right? Right, Phil? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're hiring yes. good or people, okay, and you, they're paying you to carry them. Well, that's commerce, and that's when you need a license. Well, there's some people that do need that. But when they park their rig at the end of the day, even a commercial driver's license, and they drive back to their house, they're not driving commercially, are they? No. Okay, yeah. so we wouldn't override it, would it? The, there's not any of these you can do that are going to override your master statement with the Secretary of State because those could all be looked at as under threat, duress, and coercion. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, thanks. I, I had another question. Now the too. difference. Um, let me go. Let me let me hit public public for you and private here because it's important. We were talking about it. They call all the re the administrative state, the regulatory state, and all of their regulations that are promulgated by non-elected bureaucrats. Do you understand how this is set up, Phil? Your, your, your elected representatives pass laws in the legislature. That's Congress, right? Then the administrative state 
Congress takes that legislation by subject matter and assigns it to one of the 600 administrative agencies by subject matter. And they reinterpret it and do what's called promulgate a regulation for the public. And that's called public policy. Notice it's not called law. They do refer to them as little laws, these regulations, but they're called public policy. And that, and that is man made. Oh, could somebody stop talking? Could somebody please mute about this cruise ship? The Smithsonian Channel about the cruise ship. Please hit your mute. You've already derailed us. And these regulations are reinterpreted legislation by unelected bureaucrats for the serfs. It's now called public policy. And when you file the affidavit, none of those apply to you anymore. Okay. Is, um, did you, or did someone mention at one point that it was 48? I'm sorry, I could be saying it wrong. 48 out of 50 chapters in USC applied to citizens, but there's two that didn't apply to citizens. No, there's 49. No, no, that's not what we said. Uh, there's okay. 50 titles of these regulations, these Code of Federal Regulations. And each one of those are groupings of these man-made reinterpretations by these unelected bureaucrats. Of the 50 titles, each title is connected to a title of the United States Code, for instance. So Title 26, the Internal Revenue Code in the Code, is Title 26, Code of Federal Regulations, where they reinterpret what's in the Code in regulations. You with me? Mm. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that one, 26, is the only one out of the 50 that have both of the statuses in it. That one I just discussed with Thora. An income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens of the United States or residents. That one. And non-resident alien. There's both statuses right there. All the other 49, their jurisdictional statement is residence. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That makes a lot All more right. sense. Okay. And right. why? Why? Because the resident term is the broad net they throw over everybody. That's the catch-all term. Right. Okay. Daryl, okay. are you sure what, you're not this, coming down with what, something? You sound no, like I, I just, I just, I took, uh, I've been taking uh, lessons online for uh, how to sing like Barry White, and uh, okay. it's, it's the changed, walrus. Changed you, you know, yeah. you know, what we, yeah. you know what we used to call him in radio, Barry White. <laughs> yeah. The 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 wall the walrus of love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, That's there's like well, it it, it 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 actually it actually works. So, um, what's this? What's this? What's this nice fellow's name we're speaking with here? 
That is Phil that is from Phil. Chicago. Him and his brother Phil. own a pizzeria up there. Okay. Well, hi, Phil. Um, let me... Uh, sometimes it helps to kind of kind of move the image around when you're trying to focus things and we use we use words to change the focus uh, these uh, all these codes that you were just talking about and this process and administrative rulemaking and a guide to federal agency and rulemaking administrative state uh, this is a corporate state those are for corporate citizens are you are you part of that corporation? Are you one of their employees? Are you an employee as a re- are are you you're part of their public? I think I think he's removed himself by now. I that's I this is the point I'm trying to Roger. get to. You haven't, Phil. This is okay. the point I'm trying to get to. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is the point I'm trying to get to. Okay. There's any a wide range very wide range of terms and words and legalese that's used to identify you for them and confuse you. Uh, citizen, no, you're corporate. Okay, resident, you're corporate. Uh, employee, you're, you're corporate. Uh, and if you're in the military, you're definitely corporate. Uh, Double. Uh, you're, you're all public. You're, you're, you're all public. So you you have to keep going back to yourself and saying, see, you've been brought up your whole life and everybody around you, you've all been trained to believe that this applies to you because you are their public. And like Roger says, every time you've ever been asked, not only did you affirm that, but you want to be that until you figured out that it it hurts. And, And so whenever... I was actually, uh, it actually happened to me in my in my driveway here about three years ago, Phil. I had a, I refused to, I don't I don't participate in in uh, the uh, population audit where they come around and the census. I don't do that, and and so they actually sent somebody here to because I'm so belligerent. They actually sent somebody here, and he says, well. Well, I said a lot of things. One of me says, "Well, he says, are you U.S. citizen?" I said, "Well, what are my choices?" <laughs> mm. You know, <laughs> when yeah. somebody, whenever, when anybody ever asks you, "Are you a U.S. citizen?" You ask, ask them back. Go, well, what are my choices? I see, Phil. Most, almost everybody, almost everybody you know presumes, uh, well, assumes that. There's only one thing you can be. That's a U.S. citizen, right? <laughs> it, it, it's kind of just a earth-shattering sort of mind-bending concept that, oh, I mean, there's there, there's a different political law that, huh? What? See, what we're talking about here is political law. We're talking about laws of nations, the law of nations. We're talking about political law here. And what you're seeing going on around you, everybody, in this milieu, this chaos, this anarchy, is what you're seeing is them, they're, they're disassembling the law of nations. They're trying to, they're trying to make it, um, 
they're trying to abrogate the law of nations and move into a different form of law. Yeah, and what United form of law nations. is that? Mm -hmm. What form of law is that? They're trying to, they're, they are, they are recolonizing the entire world by the corporation. Mm -hmm. Hmm? Under the That's, merchant law. They, yeah, that, that, and this is colonialism. There's actually, it's only new to you, and it's not new to me. Uh, mm -hmm. Because I've been bloodhounding this for a long time. You know, remember, Roger, years ago I came on here and I said, they're doing something, Roger, and I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> okay, they're trying to change the laws. Yeah. To what? And they 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 want to take it back to. Uh, um, they basically Babylon, you know to give you the, the cornbread version. Yeah. Yep. Go yeah. ahead. Well, everything in Babylon, everything was contract. Now, everything was contract. Absolutely, a hundred percent of everything. Your relationship to everything was contract, and contract had all those contracts had direct exacting unequivocating consequences <laughs> okay uh, kind of like Roman Roman civil law and but everything was contract um, <clears throat> and and see you're in one so, right now you, since you haven't filed the affidavit no. Phil you're in one of those right now now you probably don't recognize it and you more than likely never heard about it before you cross paths with me but you and your brother and your dad and all of us are in that contract from birth and it comes out of the feudal system and it's a silent contract that runs generationally do you understand the importance of that of understanding it yeah Okay. Yeah, and definitely. that's the con. That's the contract, and you you, you go well. It's that. It's not a contract. I didn't sign anything. I didn't agree to anything. Well, it's unique to the feudal system and these circumstances that they use to bring it and invoke it. But then they ask you to agree with it. Are you a citizen of the United States? Are you a resident? And remember, if you'll think back, you always have to sign something. Are you a citizen of the United States? Are you a resident? Sign something. That's your agreement to the silent contract. Right. Right. And the if you remember uh, when we talked to you a while ago, um, that the reason I was holding off was that S-Corp situation with the pizzeria. Uh-huh. And you right. know, further research non in the eyes of the IRS, non-resident aliens can't be a principal of the S Corp and right. at the turn of, at the turn of this year, that's why I didn't want to file it. I didn't want to, you know, oh, yeah. be right. in, in both buckets, you know, um, right. And when 2024 comes, there's going to be a change in how we're going to structure the business yes. where yes. we can still be, where we can be yeah, a non-resident alien individual. And, okay. um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. So then I, that kind of leads me to my my other question I wanted to ask you. Was, well, I, I and I think, I'll, let me address that. I think that's wise, but sure. we did have somebody recently call in who had changed in the middle of the year. And I, I, and, and anyway, she sent in a 1040 NR, and they sent her all of her money back. 
So evidently, even if you change in the middle of a year, it's going to apply to the entire ta- taxable year you're in. It looks right, like Roger. that's not my yes. area of expertise. I hate all that crap, but that did come out recently, and we've never had a firm answer on that. So uh, to that point, so go ahead, Phil. Yeah, it kind of my this is exactly what I was going to ask, and was since it's a clean cut on the year. Um, you know, January 1st, 2024, it's a different structure. Right. I'm allowed, right. you know, from what the rules are, non-resident alien is, um, would I, would it be wise to file completely, nor- file taxes completely normal April 14th for the whole year of 2023? And then like that overlap of three months, like if I sent a notice to the IRS. Yeah, that Yeah, I think you're, you know, you're general, or whatever. I don't believe they're gonna, you're going to trigger any kind of stuff on any kind of partial year thing. You haven't filed this year. You're still the old status. You still have an obligation to pay those. Go ahead and file in April. Go send them your national thing in at the turn of the year, notice and everything. But f- file your taxes for last year. Pay them. you got a clean slate. It's at the turn of the year. You ought to be just fine. Okay, beautiful. I was... Yeah, I was worried about that, but that makes sense. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And, uh, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. One other thing, too, um, is I was uh, one episode, or sorry, one podcast, one show. There was a lady, Ruth, from Utah, and I think you either recommended or she was going to do it for one of her children, send an affidavit with a state ID application, and I spent, you know, four years, my college years in Utah, great place. And, you know, so I was looking at the instructions when I did my driver's license and both driver's license and state ID required to be a resident for the state of Utah. And so what I was really follow up with you on was, yeah, at least online, you know, the online instructions that they give you. And uh-huh. so I was asking, you know, if she did send it with an affidavit that, it would come back different or what the shit they would, I don't, the state reject well, I don't know. And you know, the experience I had with those was 15 years ago and some States may have a different stipulations or requirements. I don't know. I can't imagine them making you be a resident to get a state issued ID. But that may be the case, and I, I wish, uh, Ruth, I would imagine you'd have to go to the DMV and deal with them in person, too. So hopefully if Ruth has a problem with that or somebody else does, they'll let us know. Because that's a good way for younger children to get that affidavit into the state database. Roger. Yes. I never did um, an ID for my daughter. I only did um, school ID. Um, and I got her a passport. I had a birth certificate. But you can use affidavits as proof from your witnesses when you're having birth or, you know, anything to explain that they do know her and then they, you know, she is who she is. Um, mm-hmm. Use that those well, affidavits as proof. Well, as and, and, you know, I don't, um, I don't know if you remember Phil were addressing this too, right? My story was when I went to get my first passport, I had a Tennessee driver's license, but I knew you had to be a resident and I didn't want to use that, your concern earlier in the process. So I said I didn't have one. And the, um, 
instruction said if you didn't have a picture ID, you could bring someone with you who had known you for two years that did have one, and that would suffice. So I brought this blonde lady that I knew, and um, when it came to that part of the of the process, he said, wait, wait a minute. He had a real snotty kind of guy. He wait a minute. He turned around, pulled down this big three-ring binder of bureaucratic ease shit. And so it was so heavy, it had a big plop on the counter when he dropped it from the highest, probably the highest shelf that he had to reach to because nobody ever brought it down, you know. So it plops down on the counter, and he's thumbing through there, and he goes, it says right here that I don't have to accept that, and I can make you go get one, and I'm going to make you go get one. He said it just like that. And that's when she turned to me and said, I just got my kids' state-issued IDs two weeks ago. Why don't we go get one of those? And that's how I got into this process and know a little bit about it, okay? So where I was close to the driver's license, little town. And so we get over there. By that time, we realized that I also had and used my five-page affidavit that was on file in the county records, property rolls, and was certified by the clerk of the court in the county we were in. Okay. So I had that and I had my certified birth certificate. So by the time we got to the driver's license place, and we, they got a gatekeeper to make sure you got all your paperwork correct. So I sh we showed him those two things. He said, go right on in. And so we went down to the clerks that do the ID. And all I did was just stick that five-page affidavit up on the counter. That's the first thing I did was put that up there. And so she grabs it, doesn't say anything, and starts turns her little desk, swivels, in her chair 90 degrees and opens up the top of a scanner and starts scanning it in page at a time and while she's scanning it in she's asking me the questions and so she's going well mr sales are you a citizen of the united states no well mr sales are you a resident no well, what's your address well there's your difference in the residence and where you live right there you ever where we lived she went through all the stuff and and then she said okay mr sales that'll be uh four dollars uh why don't you stand over there and get your picture taken and that was a seminal moment for me phil okay but that's how i got introduced to all of this years ago and that was for your driver's license no id sorry id okay i needed an id to satisfy this creep at the post office the authorized agent who requires an gotcha. id to send your passport in okay so okay. that's where all that came from and then he wanted me to put a social security number in there and i didn't and and we had moved from his little counter as a passport agent over to uh, the postal counter where he's a clerk because I had expedited it, which meant it, you had to add overnight mail and the other fees and stuff. And then he's looking at it and he goes, ah, you got to put a social security number in here or they won't send it to you. And I said, you watch them. 
because it wasn't a requirement back then. And sure enough, it came. So anyway, that was my affidavit experience. And that's how we found out about these state-issued IDs, because I put my affidavit up there, and they scanned it right in the database. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd have to look into it for Utah. Obviously, I'm not there, uh, but I, I remember seeing, you know, the instructions as uh, yeah. saying you had to be Well, um, I can't imagine I'm doing that, but maybe, hell, is it, you know, things have changed a lot in 15 years, and something else that just heard uh, for all the folks in California, they just passed a law. You're going to be able to uh, hire cops that aren't uh, Americans now, just like Illinois and Chicago, like up there where Phil is. Well, by the way, Roger. Yes, sir. Uh, that that's exactly that's exactly what a corporation can do. Yes. Uh, <laughs> once, <laughs> what I'm trying to get across to everybody is, once you understand the game that's being played, you, you will see it everywhere. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and and this is exactly. Uh, I was going to give Phil the cornbread version earlier. What you're actually living through and experiencing for everybody's experiencing is you're living under the British East India Company and you're in India. Exactly. You're actually in India right now and living through the experience of of the uh, governance of the British East India Company. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not using hyperbole. Uh, and they can do this is because this is all a mystery because you don't understand history. Uh, as with, <laughs> if if you don't grasp this, everything else you think you know or an expert at is pointless. Okay, uh, this is exactly how. This is exactly how a handful of men with an employee staff of 35 in the city of London took down, dominated, owned, and controlled the Indian subcontinent for going on 200 years, which was the richest nation of the world at its time, India. And they brought it down. And you know how they did it? A guy by the name of Robert Clive, he was all of 33 years old, enters into an agreement and a contract with a, a Hindi banker in one of the provinces of India who was a banker. He was, he was like the Rothschild banker of India. And the, and the, uh, <clears throat> the sultans in, of the time were repaying their loans to this banker and so this banker says to Clive, he goes, you know, he says, I see you've got an army here. He says, if you take down this, um, this nawab here, this, uh, this sultan, and, uh, and pay me back the loans, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll provide you with loans. Well, uh, this is a very shorthand explanation of, of how the British East India Company comes to own the larger part of India and and asset strip it entirely, which is what's happening to you, and it, and and the and the army, the 
army that took down India, the most powerful, richest of the richest nation on the earth at the time, was through the banks giving loans to Robert Clive, who then hired the locals for their own personal army. They used they used Indians hired Indians to take down their own country. Mm. Wow. This is how bad this is. If you don't understand this, this is what this, this was a mercenary army. So what's a professional army? Well, it's a mercenary army. What is a police force? It's 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 professional uh, so-called civil they're they're civil mercenaries. Okay. It's the same it's the same pad it's the same plan kids okay yeah and um, and you really kind of you kind of need to question. understand this Ephraim, go ahead um Dwayne has a question Dwayne has a Dwayne. question I'm going to I'm going to uh, ask it for him and then I have a question after him um, um he says Daryl, do you know if the British East India Company morphed into the Welcome Trust. Part of it, I'm sure. Well, yeah, in, in, in 1858, through a series of uh, mostly parliamentary and banking procedures, the British East India Company was uh, merged into parliament, parliamentary and monarchical control. Queen Victoria and the parliament basically took over what was called the British East India Company and then became the company itself. It became the company. So the company actually didn't go away. It changed It changed administration. But the British East India Company continued on all the way up and through in India through uh, Gandhi is when that came to an end. But yep. by that time, by by that time, um, the the whole the whole British Empire model had been reorganized, restructured, renamed, and rebranded as something else that you don't recognize that I do. See, I recognize it. You don't. They talk about it. They put it right up front of you. You don't even see it. It's called the Commonwealth. British East Empire, British Empire never went away. This is this is silliness. It's childishness. Never it's went away. It reorganized You're, itself. Yep, yep. And 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 you can tell because they have been in charge. The, one of their biggest reorganizations was when they took control of the Federal Reserve, or they they created the Federal Reserve. That's who's in charge of the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. So if anybody opposes the British Federal Reserve, that's their bank. What what happens is is uh, patriotic Americans for over a hundred years have signed up and went out and died for them. If you if you don't understand this, you're you're spinning your wheels. Uh, on a fundamental level, uh, if you don't have control. If your civil state and your treasury don't have control over your currency issue, you are not sovereign. Period. 
End of story. You you, <laughs> you don't have a a nation that you um, uh, think exists. This is this is why I I don't argue with people who still believe in orthodox uh, narratives. I don't argue with them because I I feel sorry for them. They're, they're, they're holding on to a mythology about they've, they actually actually confuse the US with America. They actually are confused that the government is their nation. You can't mm-hmm. talk to those people. You can't talk yeah, to them. Hey Daryl uh, Gary Daryl yes, you sir. go to this if you go to the Secretary of State, of the state of New York and type in U.S., you'll see there's about 50 different U.S. corporations all signed up and licensed out of the state of New York. There's your British East India Company in this country. And yeah. furthermore, you must understand the United States military has been the mercenary army for those same group of people for years. Now it's switching Hear me. Now that mercenary army is switching to the Chinese who are invading Thank our you. southern border. In addition, that mercenary army is bringing a lot of South Americans with it. Why? Because China is heavily invested in South America. Got to connect yeah. the dots, people. Oh, yeah. They control a lot of the Gary, continent. Gary said, yeah. Gary's absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Gary. And who 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 subsidized, who started the transition in this reorganization? Uh, well, uh, Nixon closes the gold window. Kissinger Kissinger uh, creates uh, the relationship, special relationships with China. Rockefeller is in total support and subsidizes the transition to technology with unlimited resources. Then you have uh, Bush, Bush one who is in full support of his new world order. This is this is what the new world order is. It's it's a corporation. And and what does Bill Clinton do? Well, there's this thing called NAFTA and GATA. Okay, and what does this do? Well, that that empower China even more. Okay, and these are all corporate maneuvers, by the way. And yeah, if you Clinton, are caught Clinton up, in put them into the. If you're caught up, he in put them in, in, into the World Trade Center uh, uh, organization too. Yeah. I just wanted to add that. Yeah. If you're still caught up in this this childish, I'm saying childish narrative of the United States government being something other than what it is in full full display and evidence, I can't help you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is so scary that most people can't look at this. Um, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll finish this up by just saying this. Albert Pike in 1870s said in his book, which I I have a first edition here, he says that, look, when these people need a hero, 
we will provide them one. Think about that. Every time you need a hero, they provide you one. Just to keep yep, you an expert in there. Just to keep you, they'll uh, you know, they'll give you a, a science hero. They'll give you a political hero. They'll give you uh, so that you stay caught in that cycle of hope. Uh, there and you mean the orange man? You mean the orange so, man, Donald Trump? Well, that's, no. that's my opinion, but you know, if, you, you can make your own. You can make up your own no, decisions. Biden. Biden, Biden, Gary, yeah. Biden's the hero. Oh my gosh! Don't even say that. Let me Every, um, let me let me give an example of how things played out. Obama. The majority of people in this country were sick and tired of Obama and his policies, so they knew Hillary Clinton couldn't be elected because she was pretty much the same thing. So then they give you Donald Trump. And he pacifies the right, or what you want to call the right, and they sit back on their laurels and don't do crap, crap, you know what. Now, we're coming up here to the orange man, and uh, he was providing a little heartache for what their plan is, so therefore they put Biden in. And if you go back through our history, you'll see that this flip-flop has gone exactly that, it's gone exactly that way with Congress, the Senate, the House. It's a pattern, and it's been repeated extensively. But it's all to keep us pacified. Excuse me, Roger. You know, on that same one interesting thing about Donald Trump, though, that really messed him up was he canceled the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and that's when it was game over for him. They had to get rid of him. So that's yeah, then the and he pulled us out of the uh, Paris uh, Climate Accords the same day. Who was trying to get? Was that a new voice that I just heard come through a second ago? Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not new. Uh, my name is Alfredo. I'll call you before. And, hey, Alfredo. Uh, I got a problem here. I needed your advice. I sent my uh, request for the passport card on November the, the 27th, and on Friday, the 19, uh, Tuesday, I got uh, a letter on denial. You know, I hear this before, but I don't recall what uh, who, who did that. What was the, what, what was the and what? Okay, do, well, you know, can you? Well, they had some, you know, they had well, they had some sort of a reason for the denial. What do they state the reason is? I've, I've very rare. I've only you. seen this happen one other time. Okay. Yeah, it says that everything appears fine in the uh, my papers uh, that I should get a U.S. passport, and that um, it says uh, U.S. passport accounts with the 14 amendment of the Constitution of the United States. All persons born and their lives in the United States are subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Are citizens of the United States? Our Supreme Court. Okay. You got a bluff letter. You got a bluff. You got a bluff letter from them, and they're saying the last that paragraph you're reading ends up except by operation of law. Okay, and so you're going to write them back, doesn't it? It Says that, doesn't it? 
Yeah, they give me 90 days, and then they give me an envelope. Okay. Uh, well, you just write them back. You write, okay, you write them back, and you just say, thank you for quoting the 14th Amendment, and then you can quote it, and then you say, but it does not say all persons born or naturalized are subject to. It says and. And I'm and not, and that's what my affidavit was. So please send me the passport that I have correctly applied for and paid for. And you'll get it. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so definitely you hear this report, right? Someone yeah, we don't hear it very often. Yeah, we, we don't hear we don't hear it very often anymore, and haven't really consistently, but occasionally. Right there at first, about I don't remember nine or ten years ago, we there was a few of them, and over the years we'll get them occasionally. They all start off with that same exact paragraph. That's the reason I knew what you were reading. Okay. Yeah, it comes from the United States Department of State, uh, yeah. from Customer well, Service Department. Right. And uh, there's a number of ways you could address that, but that one right there, the 14th Amendment says, mm -hmm. and subject, not our subject, and I choose to not be subject to. And uh, there you could... You know, it depends on how, again, how much you've learned this information and how fluent you are with it as to what else, how else you'd address that. But there's a number of different ways to address it, okay? Uh, right. So you could use State Department document, all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. There's a number of different things you could do. But just tell them, just try that one first and say, 14th Amendment doesn't say are subject to, it says and. And I'm, even though in the past I have thought that I was, but now I think I know that I'm not. Please recognize my citizenship evidence and my passport application. And they probably already checked, check, cashed your check or taken your payment and my payment. So I, I guarantee you'll get it. You'll get it. Okay. Never had anybody that didn't get it. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, now another question for America. Where can I find your uh, email address? Marka? Mm. Are you are you in the Telegram group? Is it yes. Alfredo or Alfonso? Yes, I am. Yeah, well, I she can send it to you on Alfredo. Telegram. She can, she can send it to you on, on Telegram. Is that okay? okay. How, how, do, do I get it through my phone? Um, Marka? Go to Telegram. Uh, are you... In there, in the oh, group, because you can send a message, and that's where I usually uh, contact people on mm. Telegram. I see. Okay. Okay. And, and, okay. That's how I can get in right. touch with you. Okay. Yes. All right. Thank you, guys. What else? Appreciate it. Okay. What else? Okay. Anything else we can help uh, you with? Now? with that's it so far. I'm, I just okay. I'll be totally shocked. You'll be the first one that hasn't got, ever gotten in 12 and a half years. I so I don't, ex I don't, I don't expect I that to happen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, good news. This, uh, you know, and, and next will be the, uh, IRS, you know, you know okay. 
All right. Well, it's a good time of the year to put those bastards on notice that your status has changed too. So it's a good time of year to take all, care of all that stuff if any of uh, – it bothers people. So good time of the year right now. So thanks for checking yeah, in, yeah. okay? Would it be okay for me to do it right now even though I have this problem? Sure. It's not a problem. Okay. Put him on notice and send my office. They just what they're trying to they sent you that to see how much you knew and this is got they got one uh, last chance to try and trick you again. And they're gonna see if I you'd bite. Me. Okay. As you say they're very sleek, right? As I say what? They're what? As you said before, they're very sleek, you know. The people there. Oh buddy. Oh man, they're really accent, you know. We'll speak Spanish here and that's okay. Have, no, no. Know, no, no. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm just, <laughs> I I'd have a hard time doing Spanish with you. Anyway, welcome aboard. Glad to have you. I don't think you have any problem <laughs> with you, that, sir. okay? All Maybe right, you're you very welcome. Okay, thank you. You too. Okay. Now who else here? We got a couple Roger. of minutes left. Yes, ma'am. Regarding Uh the uh, East India, the British East East India Company and um, the merchants, I'm just wondering if there's a connection. um, Uh You think? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Okay, here's uh, what happened, Mirka. Here's what happened. I want to hear you. It involves Spain. Spain. I was looking, I was seeing that, yeah. Okay. When Ferdinand and and his wife there kicked all the Jews out, which is, you know, Christopher Columbus left on that journey the, the day or the day after that deadline when they'd evicted all, the Jews had to leave Spain. Okay? This okay. is where you got the term Marionero, I believe is how they pronounce it, is closet Jews. They would pretend to convert on the outside but they still practice their religion in the closet okay well a lot of them left spain and a number of them went up to amsterdam and so the british east india company was not first the dutch east india company was first Okay. okay, and that is out of Amsterdam with all of these Jews, or probably principally, that had moved up there, many of them exiting Spain. And then that company also became the prototype for, that's where insurance came from, was that company and the fact of people wanting to send out these ships to do trade uh, ventures and that if the ship went down it would wipe out one single person so they would gather a lot of people's money together not only to finance the the excursions but also to basically insurance by having many many people participate and what is called limited liability okay it was also right. some early contract uh corporations were this was okay there was a connection of people pooling their money so insurance uh and central banking and insurance both came out of the same city amsterdam in the same year okay so the british east india company as big as it got the first one was the Dutch East India Company, when the Dutch ruled the seas before the British took over. And I'm sure all the merchants did was just move from one over there to the other. Right, right. The ch- yeah. 
just across the channel, for God's sakes. Right. You know? So, so that, that those are the forerunners and the and the the way a lot of that developed, and some of it was from the backlash against the Jews because of who they are and what they do. Right. So remember the citizen history um, talk that we had, uh, and uh, how Rome was growing and uh, imposing their civil law on the Roman citizens and giving um them the privileges and immunities or you know their their way of giving them you know some you know their benefits and as they participated then it started uh controlling more people and that's when merchants um decided to go to rome because it was growing and um they wanted to to bring their their business there so um, like i'm trying to connect all that well, as Rome grew, I don't know what that first you were talking about because you didn't even really have a Roman civil law yet. You had the old Roman. It's called the Just Seville, if you want to go look yeah, it up. Yeah, that's what it was. C i v i l e, the Rome, the law of the Roman citizen, if you will, for lack. And the other is called the Just Gensum, like Gentile Gensum, J u s again meaning law, Gensum meaning foreigner. So after. After they incorporated, because of self-help remedies, uh, some of the merchant code in with what was then the existing kind of Roman civil law, then it became the just gensum, the law of the foreigner, okay? But it was this amalgamation, mainly because of the self-help remedies and the easy way of, of remedying a contract breach, and the Roman citizens, under the color of law, that their foreign merchants put pressure on the praetor over 200 years to incorporate this easy way of remedy into their abilities. So as John would say, under the common law, or under the color of law, the Roman citizen was a foreign merchant. They brought in the foreign merchant law. Right, okay. And that's... Same thing that happened with the tax thing. And if you get down and think about it, see, our common law doesn't have all these different contingencies for finance and contracts and and, and interest and all these different ways of ownership and all, all of that stuff. It just doesn't have it in the common law. And so when a situation comes up and they need to rely on in a situation where they need that sort of determination, well, they, you always fall back on the merchant law. And that's how it comes in in what I've been able to think about and kind of <coughs> invades invades a common law uh, platform is because of the necess- necessity of financial stuff. Was that somebody clearing their throat for a reason? Did you have a comment? No, I was just clearing my throat. Sorry. <clears throat> But I do have a question when you're done. All right. Yes, ma'am. What is it? Because we're just about done. Okay. I just have a question regarding the passport card. I have a passport Mm -hmm. um, prior to changing my status. Yes. And so I would like to know, would I just use the affidavit to um, get a passport card with my status being changed now? Yes, all you do is use a uh, DS-82, this time include the affidavit in with it. Okay, DS-82 and the affidavit. Okay, Uh thank you. 
All righty. You're welcome. Okay. Now, who else here as we tail out for the Tuesday show? I almost ran a replay today, but it's been a good show. We've had some good conversation. We've covered some uh, important bases. Hello? Somebody's got a... Okay, now I'm going to go with the female. I'm going to go with the female here first, okay? Yes, ma'am? Thank you. It's Mer. Yeah, uh, I put the rogersales.chatango.com in the uh, conference call chat. And uh, there's a really interesting link, and you need to check all the links with it. Zarko was uh, Columbus' real name. He was a Jew, and he was kicked out. They set sail at 11 p.m. They were due out by midnight from Spain. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's not just yeah. money in the industry and all that stuff. It's they sacrifice children. They do satanic sacrifices. Oh, they, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you're the matzo thing and all that stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Remember the other yes. day, uh, Mer, uh, Brent uh, Mich- uh, mentioned Pastor Earl Jones. And I used to get all of that guy's mailing. I used to hear him on Pastor Pete. He was a fabulous guy. And I've got a whole container of his uh, weekly or biweekly whatever newsletter from years ago. And he had a bunch of stuff like that on the history of Columbus and all that in there. He was very good at that sort of thing. So, yes, that's true. Um, now, who was... Uh, I took Murr there, and there was uh, another guy there. Was it St- Roger? St- uh, yes. Abe, I think it was Abram. It's, it's Samuel. Um, Samuel. Uh, Paul, Paul Preston said he wasn't going to get on uh, this time of the year, yet he felt that there was pressing matters that needed to be discussed. Who was on today basically saying that, you know, and in that, that piece, The Great Awakening, Mr. or The Great Taking, Mr. Webb said that uh, he would, he didn't know what would trigger the collapse. Well, California is, what, the fifth biggest economy in the seventh. world. I think it's seventh, just seventh or eighth, Japan. somewhere. Somewhere, it's pretty close to the top. It's about $3.8 trillion a year. He's saying that they're coming back... Um, after the year, saying they got a $64 billion deficit, but in fact it's probably more like two to $300 billion. Could And they, they got something like 6 million people to pay uh, that work for the government, which is about $2.5 billion a month. And he says they're, they're not going to be making payments and stuff. So No. Nope. That might be the beginning of. Go ahead. Folks, we're about to turn the corner on what's going to be, without a doubt, the most tumultuous year in any of our lives. Now, you think on that. Here's an interesting point. Okay, Christ was crucified in. You know, it's debatable because they get their timelines messed up. Growing up, it was always 6 B.C., okay? So that would put us into 2029, and this next year is 2030. And, you know, we have the Agenda 2030. And the Agenda 21 just meant the whole century, you know? So there's no coinkydinks. Hey, Roger, I had a question about the uh, Uniform Commercial Code. 
or many of them uh, that they have uh, for, for, like, say, driving and, and so on, what would be the easiest way to attack that or to approach that? Because it's been passed in all the states, right? And obviously, it's federal. Any? I, I'm not sure, right, to tell you the or, truth. Okay. I just don't have an answer for you. Okay. Try not to try not to try to make it not a, apply to you, I guess. Yeah, right. Uh, Abram, uh, Abram, yeah. Abram, just wondering. You're asking how to attack it, like to respond to them or no, notice them. What what, what exactly uh, well, are you looking for? Is, what they've done is they've passed state law the federal law at the state level, right? And so, you know, it's really uh, law for for the uh, citizens, but they, if they, you know, they, they pass it at the state level and it's in the organic statutes at the state level, then it is at the state level. Now, so I'm just curious about well, what an approach would be to... If it's unconstitutional, it's not in the organic states. If it's unconstitutional, it's, it's in the organic statutes erroneously. At the state level, yeah, right. So we, you would have to look at public law and see if it's there, the organic public law, right. and yep. then, um, yeah, review it and see if that's um, documented there I would, first. I would say that I'd, once you're out of the Fourteenth Amendment citizenship, you're you, back you're, in you're common apply law, to you. and common yeah. common law eliminates it. Yeah, I'd say that's probably true too. True, yeah. Um, okay. All right. So, you, I guess you guys think we should have a be back on live tomorrow, right? Yes. We need to we cover live more. this week. Roger. Yes. Please. All right. Well, uh, we're not we having any electrical in, and yeah, cover what? We need to cover public and private, and um, the UCC, um, if we could. A little bit of history on both, so people can see. The difference, and um, Daryl was on a roll with what he was sharing. All right. Um, so, yeah, for your stuff. homework, your homework assignment is to go over to sovereigntosurf.com, to sovereigntosurf.com, find historical jurisprudence, and read the first ninety pages, and we'll discuss it tomorrow. Yes, I was doing that yesterday. Um, so. Everybody else, join so, in. Historical jurisprudence. And we'll talk a little bit about Babylonian code and that kind of stuff. Otherwise than that, right. shouldn't the whistler be going on? Or is Paul... Uh, yeah, Paul's, it's uh, a 10 o'clock now, so I think the show's almost over. Paul, are you there, buddy? Paul? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Um, in the music, yeah, the like over going off, but um, 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 the whistler should be over, shouldn't he? Um, actually, yes. So we're uh, 